Heatog, the hottest name in portable propane heaters. More reliable, wider heat area, and packed with features for hunting, camping, fishing, tailgating, workshops, and job sites. Tired of melted ice at your feet in your pop-up ice shelter? Heatog is the only heater with adjustable tilt that sends the heat exactly where you want it. Heat your body, not just your feet. You want more features? Heatog keeps your fuel warm for longer runtime per tank. Plus, these portable units blast heat to a 33% wider area than the competition. With three different models to choose from, there is a heat hog just the right size for you to get easy-to-use, portable, reliable heat. Stay warmer, longer with Heat Hog. Visit HeatHog.com and order one today with free shipping. Heat Hog, the only one that tilts. everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Bound podcast, the stories behind the stories. I'm Laura Sherry, your host for today, and I am joined by a very good friend of mine, Miss Kristen Rowell. And I wanted to have Kristen on the Minnesota Bound podcast um, for two reasons. One, I love chatting with her, but two, um, I wanted to talk about nutrition and specifically nutrition when we go into um, remote locations when we're traveling either into the woods, out in the field, um, North Dakota, South Dakota, sometimes nutrition isn't so easy to, um, find real healthy food. So we're going to talk about some tips about that, but just about, uh, fitness and health and in general. And Kristen, before she, um, says hello here, was a former, um, litigator attorney and has turned into a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. So Kristen Rowell, otherwise known as MN Golden Girl, welcome to the Minnesota Bound Podcast. It's so fun to have you here. And we're sitting in my um, kitchen, which is so much fun just to sit here and chat. I love it. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, you and I, um, in full disclosure, as I had mentioned, um, we've been friends for a really long time. And this podcast could go completely off the rails, and I'm okay if it does, but... (laughs) Just by our um, our lengthy friendship, but I wanted to have you on because um, obviously uh, you and I have a a lot in common with our fitness routines and our nutritional practices. And um, you decided to turn your passion actually into a full time business, which is incredible. So before we get started, why don't we tell the listeners what do you do? Okay, so thank you so much for having me. I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, which I get is like kind of a mouthful. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. So it's different than a nutritionist or dietitian. So a lot of people think of nutrition and they say nutritionist. So what's different in my career is nutritionists and dietitians. Well, one, they're regulated by the state of Minnesota and other states, of course. And the certificate that I received was sort of a national organization. So it's throughout. And it's also, this is really sad to me, but a lot of the nutritionist and dietetic schools have been infiltrated by big corporate food companies. And that has actually infiltrated into their curriculum. And I was not about to pay money to go to any school where I was going to be told something like Pop-Tarts are healthy, you know? Got it. Yes. And so that's actually happening in a lot of the, now I'm not saying every single program is like that, but there are programs where they just don't promote what aligns with what I think is a healthy real food diet. So the reason that I chose the NTA, which is the Nutritional Therapy Association, is everything is based on the principles of Weston A. Price. And Weston A. Price was a dentist who lived between 1880 and early 1900s. And he went around, he wrote a book that I had to read in school called Nutrition and Physical Degradation. And he actually went around to the Aboriginal tribes around the world 
to figure out what would happen to the jaw structures and the dental caries of humans when you introduce the Western diet into their lives, when you introduce them to sugar. Interesting. And it was fascinating. So he went to Russia and South Africa and Fiji and New Zealand and Iceland and Ireland. And he wrote this comprehensive book with photographs of the befores and afters with, you know, obvious severe dental caries, teeth falling out. But what was more interesting to me is how much over time for a generation that their jaw structures could actually change because they weren't eating a traditional real food diet. And so a real food diet under the Weston A. Price principles are, you know, we eat animal protein, we have raw dairy, we have fermented foods, we have a number of, you know, organic fruits and vegetables, of course. It's really this broad-based omnivorous diet that includes sort of everything but focus on real food. So this gentleman was really ahead of the curve on the whole longevity spectrum that everybody seems to be hopping on board from the Huberman Lab to Peter Atia to Joe Rogan. I mean, all the all the um, Joe Rogan's not necessarily an expert in that field, but people are really speaking about longevity and some of the practices that they do. This gentleman yeah. back in, do you say it was late 1800s? Late 1800s. Yes. And what's funny wow. is, of course, you know, my dad's a dentist and my sister's a dentist. So when I went to school and I was like, wait, this school is founded on dentistry. Like it, it was just kind of full circle for me in terms of my, my, so anyways, to answer your question, now I'm coaching. So I'm helping people. Most of my clients, because I was a litigator for 16 years, most of my clients are people who are busy professionals who have either because of COVID, because of having kids, because of their job being crazy, because of life getting in the way, they've sort of let their fitness and health take a back seat, and they're interested in putting it in the driver's seat again, but they don't know how to do that because they're so overwhelmed with their regular life. And so they hire me and then I help create meal plans for them. I help check in with them about their lifestyle practices and coach them into a healthier way of life. Most of my clients are looking to gain muscle, lose body fat and have more energy. It's fascinating too, because those that have very busy lives, which many of us do, is they don't realize by putting your nutrition and your fitness in the backseat is the one thing that's probably dragging you down. That's not you're, that's why you're lacking the energy to be even to be able to handle all of those things. Like if you put that a little bit more on the forefront, how you'd be able to have a little bit more um, ease of being a handle like high stress situations and busyness and all those things. It's so true. And it's so funny because one of the huge topics in my nutrition space right now, and I'm sure I know you know about this because we've talked about it a ton, but is blood sugar. And so few people have any understanding of what blood sugar is, what it does in their body, that they actually can eat in a way that would regulate it, that the reason they want to fall asleep at their desk at 1 or 2 p.m. after lunch is because <laughs> they ate way too many carbs at lunch and now they're having a blood sugar crash. So even just simple stuff like that, I spent months and months studying blood sugar in nutritional therapy school. And it's like, why didn't we learn this stuff in middle school biology? <laughs> You know, totally. We it's because Coca-Cola, it. I think, was like, I don't know if they're paying people off or what's happening there. But I mean, there's <laughs> I, obviously from our childhood, the amount of sugar we were eating from, like you mentioned, the Pop-Tarts to cereal each morning with, you know, skim milk, not whole milk, which skim milk has a ton of sugar in it. Totally. And our my mom was, um, a, she was, I felt like she was ahead of her time too and making sure that we had whole balanced meals and, and that she did her best to make sure that we weren't eating a lot of sugar, but she was still, you know, we're eating Cheerios as kids yeah. with cereal and milk, Same. skim milk and banana on it before you go off to school. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're starving before lunch because, of course, your blood sugar spiked. <laughs> and she thought she was doing, you know, a really good job, which she was. And she, I give her credit because she did. This is kind of a funny story. My sister and I would always be mortified, mortified because she would write 
General Mills and complain that the toys that were available in the cereal boxes were only available in the high sugar cereals and that they were doing that to get parents to purchase the high sugar cereals. And she didn't think it was fair or like the free tickets to Valley Fair. If you remember that in these cereal boxes, we're all like sugar crisp and lucky charms and all the things. And she was, she was a good letter writer. I mean, she was firing off letters left and right to companies. Oh my gosh, I love I'm it. Obsessed that she did that. Because- Denise, thank you for putting, you know, putting it out there that sugar was bad for all of us kids. Oh my gosh, Denise, I love you because I have said, since I have this litigation background and now this nutrition career, I'm like, God, I still have my license, of course. And I'm like, I, some days I want to run back to the practice of law and sue companies like this for making this poison that we sell to humans. But yeah. I grew up with the same sort of quote unquote diet or lifestyle, whatever you want to call it, where my parents thought they were doing us a favor because I always say this, we got kicks instead of tricks. Yes. You know, we got like grape nuts instead of Captain Crunch or, and here they thought they were doing the right thing. And of course we ate really well growing up, but it was well for what the eighties were. Yes. Right. Very true. It's like what we thought and the science at the time, and it wasn't even science, which is the unfortunate part. I shouldn't say that it, it was some flawed science that came out of the sixties and seventies by a doctor actually from who was from the university of Minnesota, the whole entire low fat heart hypothesis came from a doctor from the University of Minnesota. Really? Yes. All those snack wells I ate in college. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I think about it all the time. I was like, well, guys, for lunch, I'm just going to have carrots and pretzels and snack wells. Oh, yeah. Because I'm really watching. All watching. of us were doing that. It's so I, In college, I was ordering pizzas with no cheese, thinking I'm doing myself. And I had never, like, I was, I joined a gym in college. I was, like, struggling with... You know, in high school, I think you're just burning it off. And then all of a sudden you get to college. And of course, I went to Madison. So I got like a minor in beer drinking, which also is horrible. Totally. But um, mix that in with all the low fat, high carb diets that everybody was on. No wonder I was walking around like a balloon. (laughs) Same. Same. And I always thought I was doing the right stuff. That's what's so funny. Yes. I remember in high school, like we would go to Perkins and they had this bread bowl salad. And so you'd get oh, the bread yeah. for the salad and think you were healthy because you were doing the salad. Yeah. Oh, it's, and the, the crappy <laughs> restaurant dressings that would douse this stuff in, it's comical now. And I think um, what is fascinating about the research and science that's coming out right now and part of your teachings is, I think, number one, the importance of protein and how so many of us are lacking the actual amount of grams that we need every day. Yes. And that's what I want to talk about, especially when going to remote places. It's tricky to do that. And um, also the combination, if you're eating just carbs and fats together on how a it can turn. Well, it's very satisfying, those two things together. But also that's probably one of the if you're not eating protein, that's probably the fastest way you're going to put on weight. It's just eating fat and carbs, right? thousand percent. Yes. I say it all the time. You're so right. And so I've been laughing when you're like, so many of us are under eating protein. Yes. Except for the two of us. (laughs) It's true. How many grams of protein do you eat a day? Let's just get that out there. Because I think people are going to fall over when they hear this. They are. (laughs) So the lowest I could probably ever consume is like 120, but I'm most days averaging about 150 grams of protein. Okay. And I, some days when I'm getting ready for a bodybuilding show, I'm having 200 grams of protein a day. But I would say my average, if I looked at my chronometer, cause I track my food every day, I would say the last several days, it's been anywhere between 140 and 160. 140 and 160. And are you willing to share your body fat percentage is very low? Oh yeah. So I'm anywhere on the low end. I'm usually, I mean, setting outside showtime, I'm usually 16% to about 19% somewhere in there. Which is killer. So to give people a perspective. So I, just to share how much I eat, I'm also at 150 to 160 grams of protein every single day. Now you and I are 
major carnivores. So we always laugh about that. This is not a problem for us to get this down. No. <laughs> like, when, when we hear about women complaining, it's like, how do you eat all that protein? I'm like, how do you, how do you stop? <laughs> how do you stop? <laughs> it's we love so meat. true. I like the other day I had my parents over to my house for dinner. Um, just like two days on Sunday. What day is it? Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I had, um, fillets for dinner. Amazing. And I love fillets, I think. And now there's a lot of research coming out about how beef is one of the most nutrient dense foods we can possibly eat. For sure it is. Yep. And I had, I made a lot of steak because I knew, oh yeah, I can eat it the next day. But also like I will crush 10 ounces. No problem. Same. Same. And my dad looked at me. He's like, I don't even know where that's going. (laughs) I literally was floored. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, I'm surprised. I think you had like three ounces. I would love to see you eat like triple that. Yes. Um, but the and, reality is we also strength train so much. So because we're so muscular, like those muscles need to eat that protein. We're strong. Got it. You know? Yes. And so part of the problem is, and I always say it's which came first, the chicken or the egg. You hear about these people that are aging. It's usually largely women, but it happens to men too, where they eat less and less protein. And it's like, are they eating less protein because they're not strength training? And so they're not craving it in the way that you and I would because of how much we exercise? Or is it that... Here now they're not eating it and they're not strength trained. Like, and now they're developing sarcopenia, which is age-related muscle wasting. Like I never know which one comes first. That is a very good point. So let's give some useful protein tip information to some of our listeners. Like on average, if you were to start somebody that doesn't really lift weights based off of just a body weight, because I think that's going to be the most, this be sure. the easiest for people to figure out. Like how many grams per body weight do you suggest people eat like per Great day? Great question. So I want people to think of it in terms of, so a lot of people, I'll just put this caveat out there first. So a lot of people who hire me are looking to lose weight. Yes. So they're coming to me saying, I want to gain muscle and lose weight. And even if they're like, listen, Kristen, I cannot focus on the workouts yet. I just got to focus on the food. So just help me with food. I'm like, that's okay. We're still going to give you more protein because it's going to satiate you more because protein is so satiating. And it's actually going to help you. We know that in the research, even if you're not strength training, it will help you retain and even put on a little bit of lean muscle tissue, which is wild, meaning protein will. So if someone comes to me and let's just say they weigh 200 pounds, but they want to weigh 140 or they want to weigh 160 or they want to weigh 150, I will have them consuming at least. This is a female. This is a female. Okay. I'll have her consuming at least between 140 and 160 grams of protein a day. She's going to be having about one gram of protein for her pounds of ideal body weight. Makes sense. And that's for someone who's seeking weight loss. And frankly, I think it's good for maintenance as well. But on the low end, I would never have that person eating, consuming less than like 120 grams of protein. Because the truth is there's something in science called the protein leverage hypothesis, which says our body will basically continue to be hungry, search for food, want to eat until it satisfied its protein needs. So as, as people know, you eat a sleeve of Ritz crackers dipped in some peanut butter, you're probably hungry like an hour or hour and a half later because you didn't have any protein with that meal. So one of the most important things is, and I tell my clients, when you put down your plate, the first question is, what's my protein? What's my protein? What's my protein? And when it comes to protein as well, like there are, do you suggest 
lean proteins only. I know the answer to this, but <laughs> do you suggest like people just go and having like ribeyes every night? Like what is the the variation on that if people are trying to yeah. maintain, let's just start with maintenance and sure, losing sure. weight. And I should answer for men too, because I know I just yes. gave you an example about women. Um, but the short answer is the whole wide variety of it. So I love chicken breast, but I also love chicken thigh. I love filet, but I also love ribeye. You know, I'll do wild cut shrimp, but like since that's literally has no fat to it whatsoever, then I'm going to dip it in butter or something that's going to put extra fat in it. So if it's a leaner protein, I'm pairing it with a fat. If it's a protein that already has a lot of fat, like a ribeye, I'm probably not going to add any extra fat to that meal and have vegetables or some sort of side. Got it. And then in terms of the man example, because the numbers are actually pretty quite similar, I'll say just one man that I'm thinking of in particular started around 230 pounds or so with me and he wanted to get down to like 190, 180. And so I had him like minimum of 170 grams of protein a day. So he's still eating a fair amount of protein a a day. You know, it's a lot. And people hear that number and they're like, oh my God, where do I start? And I always say, make it simple for yourself. Do the math of, I just need to get somewhere between 30 and 50 grams in a meal. And then if I eat three to four times a day, there I'm covered with my protein. So for women, more like 30 to 40 grams, especially if they're not strength training yet. And then for men, think more like 40 to 50 and then break that out. It could be chicken. It could be beef. It could be shrimp. It could be salmon. It could be eggs. But I always say be careful with eggs because you have to eat in order to get 30 grams of protein. You have to eat five eggs, you know, unless you do a mix of a lot more egg whites, which is where all the protein is. Yes. With a couple of yolks, you get so full off of eating five eggs. Most people would. Yes. But that's how you do it. So I tell people if you only want two eggs and mix it with like three ounces of chicken breast or something. So you're getting enough protein. So that's what I do. So, and this is one tip I think is really helpful if you're traveling to go to small towns, if you're going pheasant hunting, if you're going turkey hunting, a lot of that is going to small town America, right? Or you might be staying at a hunting camp or something like that. And I see you go to any diner anywhere really in their breakfast menu. What is it? two eggs and toast or one egg and toast or everybody's having one poached egg with a piece of toast and avocado on it. I'm like, that literally is six grams of protein only. So when I go to a restaurant, I will order either one egg or two eggs. And if it's by the egg, I'll order like 10 egg whites. Or I, if I'm doing it at home, I'll do one egg and I'll pour a full cup of egg whites only. Yep. And put it in there. And when you make it, it looks like people, once again, my dad probably like, how are you going to eat all that? But in reality, once it cooks down and you eat it, you just don't feel that full just from egg whites and one egg. Right. It's and very you, doable. And if you have a bunch of vegetables with it and like add some avocado, that is a Fiber. perfect meal. Yes. Perfect meal. So what I do when I'm at restaurants, that's a good idea. And then I also sometimes, because there's so many little to-go cans. So Wild Planet not only has cans of tuna, but they actually also have an organic roasted chicken breast in a can and it has a flip top, which is amazing for being on the road. Yes. So I'll throw one of those in my purse. And yes, it's kind of gross that I have to go to the bathroom in the restaurant and kind of drain the juice out of the chicken, whatever. But I'll just add that to some eggs if that's all I have in a small town. And it's so easy. Very smart. I want to thank our good friends at Connecticut Water. You know, fall, it is here, not close, but here. And that means the Shirk family is back at the cabin for fall leaves and the hunting season. 
That also means we've got Connecticut water in the woods. See, last summer, we were lucky enough to add Connecticut at the cabin. <laughs> and what a difference. For as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that stinky, foul well water. But after a really painless four-hour installation, we had Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make early morning coffee. Great drinking water right out of the K5 tap. The laundry, it no longer smells funny, and Connecticut water cleaned up the showers and the dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. This message is brought to you by the Minnesota Propane Association. Clean, affordable, reliable energy. These are all the things that people want for their homes and businesses. The one source of energy in Minnesota that can offer all of these benefits is propane. Clean. Propane produces 43% fewer emissions than the equivalent amount of the electricity generated from the U.S. grid. Affordable. According to the U.S. Department of Energy, propane costs approximately 30% less than electricity in the U.S. The savings in Minnesota can even be higher. Reliable. Propane is energy stored on site, independent of the grid. Propane can power your home or business anytime you need it. Energy. Propane is a direct energy source used at your home or business, unlike electricity, which is produced somewhere away from your home. By the time electricity gets to your home, 66% of the energy used to produce it is lost. That is why propane is approximately three times more efficient than electricity. Propane, the right energy right now. For more information on what propane can do for you and the environment, go to propane.com. So, you know, many times if you're going to um, outfitters or lodges, they want to feed you well, right? Like it is like somewhat of a vacation destination type food plan. So yeah. in the morning, I have noticed in many of the places I've gone to, sometimes they'll have eggs, but a lot of times it's like cinnamon rolls and coffee. And that's what you're grabbing before you're heading out. And, um, and I have learned over the years to travel with my own food, like you said. So sometimes my suitcase is at least one quarter or half full of food that I'm bringing along with me. I'm with you, same. <laughs> and, yep. but that's, those are really great tips to keep in mind because A, to fuel yourself, if you're walking a lot of miles, um, you want to make sure you're, you're fueled properly, of course. So if you're going, you know, out into the pheasant field, whatever, but if you're having a cinnamon roll and, you know, plus coffee and cream or whatever else, um, you can add up a lot of calories just doing that. Yes. And even if you're walking seven miles in a pheasant field, what are you burning to max? 700 calories, if that? Maybe. It's average of like 100 calories for a whole mile. Yeah. Average. So that's yep. all day. So you're yep. going to eat more of that, more calories, I than just you're... your cinnamon roll. Yes. 
plus the ribeye and the baked potato and the desserts are going to feed you at dinner and everything else. Yeah. You have to still be really, I think, smart about your nutrition when you're on the road. I think so too. And just using your, going with your pheasant example, you know, the other thing is you're going to have that cinnamon roll and there goes the blood sugar crash about an hour or two later. So now you're walking in the field and you're like, oh, am I so tired? You're like yeah. yawning. <laughs> and then because it's not good for your brain, I'm like, you really want to be able to have a good shot and be like cued focused. in and focused and dialed, which requires good nutrition in the morning. And sorry, cinnamon roll just isn't it. So true. Yeah. So it really makes a difference that first meal of the day, regardless of when you have it, I don't care whether you fast or whether you eat it first thing in the morning, that meal really is the most important. To have a, cer a, a certain amount of protein in it. Yes. To have between 30 and 50 grams. 30, yeah. 50 grams of protein. Yeah. Um, do you have any other uh, food items that you like to bring with you when you're on the road? I do. So carnivore crisps is one of my favorite. Oh, yes. Dried meat. You've tried that before. I I've have. That. I also love biltong. Because you can find biltong in any grocery store. So biltong is, I think, better than beef jerky. It's a South African tradition where they just air dry meat. I've had that too. That is really good. It's so good. And so there's a few different brands. I know I've seen them at Whole Foods, but lots of different stores have them. I think even Target cares it. Kalahari is a brand I've seen. Ioba is a brand I've seen. There's tons of brands. But anyways, most of them for the one serving size is like 160 calories with 30 to 32 grams of protein. So that alone is a huge protein source. Now it is very salty because it's of course dried meat, but you can take that on the go. Those cans of tuna and chicken, like I mentioned, I'm a nerd and I like sardines. I know a lot of people don't, but so I'll eat sardines out of a can because those have a lot of protein it's as It's impressive. Well. You and Bacon have something in common because he loves sardines <laughs> out of a can. I am not touching those. <laughs> I'm not surprised that Bacon and I, I have <laughs> like the same food. Perfect. He's a big fan of sardines. I love it. So are my girls. It's so funny. So those, and then, you know, as annoying as it is sometimes, I do think it's helpful to bring high quality protein powder and make your own protein shakes on the go. Absolutely. So I, I love protein shakes. Me I too. mean, you yes, and I talk about I've this. been a protein shake junkie. It's got to be going on like 30 years at this point, right? but that is something that is a very easy to bring along. I bring protein powder on planes. I put it in a shaker bottle with no water, of course, and just add water once you get through security. Yep. Um, and, uh, there's a multitude of flavors. Now there are, there's the, it runs the gamut on quality protein powders. And then also I think there's a lot of confusion out there on the difference between whey protein isolate, whey protein concentrate, and then also the vegan protein powders, which would be pea protein, sunflower hemp. protein, hemp protein. Hemp, yep. I mean, it just goes rice protein. It goes on forever. Yeah. They are not equal in the world of fueling your body as far as protein grams yes. go. So can we talk about that a little bit? I would love explain? to. And I, I love this conversation because the reality is when we're eating protein, so whether it's a protein powder, whether it's that filet you made, whether it's chicken breast, whatever we're having, we're eating it because what it's giving us is amino acids. So those are the building blocks that come from protein and that's why we're eating it. So if you're eating some kind of muscle meat, and when I say muscle meat, I mean chicken breast, filet, ribeye, any of that, as opposed to organ meats, chicken liver, kidney, heart, those kinds of things, the muscle meat amino acid profile is going to be very similar to a whey protein. So those are kind of analogous. They're great for building muscle. They stimulate muscle protein synthesis. And without getting to, into all the nitty gritty of it, there are 20 essential amino acids. I'm sorry, there are 20 amino acids, nine of which are essential. And of the nine that are essential, there's three that are called branch chain amino acids. And those are leucine, isoleucine, and valine. 
And those three amino acids in conjunction with the other six to make the nine essential have to be in a certain ratio. Specifically, leucine has to be over 2.5 grams in order to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So you get that bar none if you're eating chicken, filet, shrimp, all that. That just happens in animal protein. And can we explain really quick what, what is muscle protein synthesis yes. to those that yes. know that? Great, great question. So in order for our brain to tell our bicep, I want you to grow bigger, this mechanism needs to be stimulated in our body called muscle protein synthesis. Our body has to realize, oh, you want me to build this bicep. So obviously, the primary way that happens is doing a bicep curl, <laughs> stimulating it through actual activity, using the muscle. So the brain says, oh, okay, you actually want me to use this muscle. And just a quick sidebar on that, Laura, I have a lot of clients who hire me, let's say they're in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they've never weight trained in their entire life. And I get them going to the gym and strength training. I always tell them, look, depending on where you're starting, it could take your body six months to a year to finally create the neurological adaptation to realize, oh, you actually want me to build a bicep. You actually, you actually, when you're squatting, you expect me to build those quadriceps or those hamstrings or those butt muscles, you know? So that can take an adaptation period. So I tell people, stop giving up a month into your exercise. So true. Right? Yes. Like you and I have been at this for so long. Years. And if we looked back at when we started, like I wish I had a video of me when I started because I'm sure it was Comical? I do have a video of myself when I first started. You're kidding. Yes. And I worked out, I was a cardio junkie for, I mean, years, like yeah. 20 years, whatever. And I loved it. Those classes are so fun. It is great heart workout. You know, I'm not poo-pooing any of that, but then I, I decided to switch um, into weight training. And when I first started, it was probably like, I don't know, seven, six, seven years now at this point, but it has probably taken me a good five or six years before I really started to know, notice yeah. significant difference in how my metabolism runs and how my ability to burn fat is much better than it ever has been before. Yes. But you're right. It's the consistency of just continuing to train no matter how boring it is. Cause it is a little bit more boring than those group classes. At least for me it is. Right. But you just stay with it and it does take time. It does take time. Yes. So you have that neurological adaptation. And so that the strength training combined with an eating the adequate amount of protein in a meal is what stimulates that muscle protein synthesis. And so Whey protein will do it. Chicken, filet, those things, like I said, will do it. What won't do it, and this is what I want people to hear because there is such a boom in the last five years or so about collagen protein. Ah, right? uh, yes, yes, yes. So collagen protein, have you ever heard, I know you know this term, but I'm hoping your listeners have heard of the term, especially in the carnivore community where people eat nose to tail. Yes. They eat the whole animal, right? You're eating all of it. Yeah, I'm so, out on part of that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. but so, so for the people that do do that, <laughs> when, they're the eating the, when they're eating the liver, when they're eating the kidney, when they're eating the organ meats, that's equivalent to collagen as far as the amino acid profile. The chicken breast, the filet, those things are equivalent to the whey protein, which is interesting. So if you think about it, in terms of muscle protein synthesis, we need to have that muscle meat. That's what's going to help us build muscle, okay? The collagen is going to be great for our hair, skin, and nails. The organ meats are great for those, but they have an amino acid profile that's low on those branch chain amino acids and the, the major essential ones that we need for muscle building. And they're high in things like glycine, which is also good for us. And we want to have a certain amount of glycine relative to the methionine and the muscle meat, because that's going to be better balance for our body. But my short version on this is it's, they're not all created equal. And so people would be wise to consider what is my source? First of all, am I consuming whey 
or is it some sort of dairy or milk protein? And a lot of people have a hard time with that. They can't digest it. So then it's like, okay, then what's the alternative here? And I always recommend to people if they're using a protein powder that doesn't contain a complete protein, if it really isn't like a whey or dairy or milk-based protein, then consider supplementing with some kind of amino acids. Got it. And I do a whey protein isolate, which is a difference between a concentrate. It is. And so for those that are dairy sensitive. It is, correct. And so whey protein isolate is, as I understand it, usually for most people easier to digest. It depends on the quality, of course. But recently I was watching a video of someone I very much respect in the health space and he's got a master's in nutrition and he was explaining, and I've got to talk to him about this because I want more detail on it. He was explaining that with a whey protein concentrate and isolate blend, you're actually getting some additional support for your digestive health in terms of our mucosal lining. And that's literally about as intelligently as I can speak about it right now. I've got to do more research, but I thought that was really interesting because, you know, concentrates are easier and cheaper to find typically. Isolates, I feel like they're so easily digestible, which is why they're so good for muscle building, that it's what most bodybuilders use. Um, and they're very low calorie, which is also amazing. So our concentrates, whey is just lower calorie than most other proteins. And which, you know, when people are struggling, um, I've had some friends, you know, say, how do I eat all this protein each day? And I just say, it's find your inner protein shake. Like it's two scoops. I put two scoops of that protein in my protein shake. And that's 50 grams of protein right there. Yes. No problem. Yes. And it's so easy and yes. it tastes delicious and it satisfies you for a long time, especially when you're not on the road and you can use the blender and do ice and use fruits and like all the other fun stuff, which is so good. But even on the road, one of the reasons I like the way isolate is you can just shake it with water. And it tastes delicious. Yes. Now, and there's a lot of, you see, if you're on social media and such, there's ads coming at you left and right for, if you're ever start you do one Google search for a protein powder, right? And all of a sudden you are getting hammered with ads on like protein powders and this and this. And a lot of them with that look very fancy, et cetera, are pea-based protein or um, hemp-based protein or rice-based protein powders. And I've had some of those myself. I think they they taste really great. And they have really typically really good fiber in them, which is of course also really good for you. So I'm not saying they're horrible, but they do technically don't have... They, not technically, they don't have the same amino acid breakdown profile to give you the protein, muscle protein synthesis, say yes. three times fast. I know. That you need, right? Yeah. So typically, no, some of them add amino acids to it. So oh, the good brands now, if you look at the side of the label, they'll show what the amino acid blend is. So they'll oh, add okay. some to it. So it depends. But you're right. Most of them don't. Most of them don't. That would be the only caveat to it. And the other thing about it is some of these more plant-based protein powders. You have to look carefully at the nutrition information because a lot of them can be highly calorically dense for just like 20 grams of protein. That is true. They'll be like 160 calories for 20 grams of protein. Whereas you can find a way isolate for like 110 and 100 or 120 calories for 30 grams of protein or 25 grams of protein. So that can just add up quickly as well. And the other thing is for me personally, even though some of those do taste good, I do feel like a lot of them are pretty chalky. So it just yes. depends. You know, yep. it depends on your flavor profile. Some people do really don't like whey and it That's makes true. them digestive upset. So they would prefer pea protein. And I think there are some high quality pea proteins that taste great. For sure. That is true. I, um, yeah, I've sampled all of them and some of them that taste really great. Of course you have to look, cause it could be like nine grams of sugar per scoop. And then yes, sometimes exactly. when you're in a hurry, all of a sudden you're having two of those, like one yeah. at lunch too. And then all of a sudden your sugar is kind of going way up. But Well, and that's a really good point too, just to have people look at the ingredients because 
you know, a lot of them will hide. I'm shocked when I walk into like a GNC and look at some of the protein powders there, how many have food dyes. Yes. The food and colorings and such. Food colorings. It's like crazy how many have that. And so other, there's certain sweeteners that I sort of try and avoid. Acylfame potassium is one. Everyone thinks it's healthy because it has the word potassium in it. It's not, it's like 300 or 200 or something times sweeter than sugar. So it's highly addicting. Oh. Sucralose is another one that I don't love. Yeah. I mean, I'll have it in small doses, but I don't, I don't love it. I would rather find a protein powder sweetened with stevia or monk fruit. I yes. Do. And some people can't stand stevia too. That's like the cilantro, the new cilantro. Like you're <laughs> totally fine with it or you like cannot stand it. Yes. I actually was talking to a client today. It's so funny you say that. And she's like, I have tried it a million times. I've done powder. I've done liquid. She cannot touch it. Yeah. Hates it. Hates it. So yeah, I get it. There are, there are definitely, I mean, this is a industry that has been like the wild west for a long time. So there are definite you got to definitely look at the label and decide if those yeah. chemicals that are they put in there are okay for you or not, you know, yep. whatever you want to do. But um, some are heavily artificially sweetened, um, which of course, you know, I think they even have like Fruity Pebbles flavor, which I was, you know, I'll, I was drinking Yum. that for a while. It was so good. Yum. Love it. I think I did that from the Dimatize. <laughs> so, yes. It was like the ISO 100. Oh yeah. Fruity Pebbles, Cocoa Pebbles, Protein Powder. Exactly. I was like, this is a dream. Exactly. I saw one when I was at GNC one time walking through that was Nutter Butter flavor. Oh yeah. That would have been good. Oh, I was like, God, that would be so good. Do you have, um, you and I kind of eat the same brands, but do you have some brands that, and this is not, neither of us are sponsored by any no. of these brands to mention these. So these yeah. are just true we drink them. Um, what yeah. are some of the ones that you like? So one, I always recommend to people easily because you can find it at Whole Foods. Is that a scent? It's the black and yellow uh, bag. Yes. A-S-C-E-N-T. And it's a, it is a concentrate isolate blend, but it's really good. And they've got chocolate peanut butter, chocolate vanilla. Um, and then one that you can only get online is Marigold. And the reason I love Marigold is it's a grass-fed whey isolate. So I love that because it's also grass-fed. It's one of my favorites. That one's really good. And did you get that chocolate one that I told you about? Is it chocolate malt? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's cho- I've had all the flavors now. Okay. Strawberry, yep. chocolate malt, vanilla. They have pumpkin have spice for fall. I, I went have, for that too. Oh, yeah. I have that. The chocolate malt, I tell people, it literally tastes like a Wendy's Frosty. It's it my does. Favorite. Yeah. It's my favorite. It's really good. So those are good for whey. Um, there's some others. I've been into the grass-fed beef isolate lately. So I use Equip grass-fed beef isolate just because if I drink too much whey. My body just doesn't love it anymore because I've been consuming it every day for so many years. So I've switched to beef isolate, but I did some research and unfortunately the amino acid profile in beef isolate is like collagen. So now here I am. I know I have to take amino acids with every protein shake. And most people would be like, well, why don't you just skip the protein shake and eat meat? And I'm like, you don't understand my obsession with protein shakes. <laughs> they are like malts. I do the same thing. Yes. I can't stop either. I can't. I love them. Yeah. They're what so- are some of yours? Oh, you told me about one that I like that came from New Zealand or Australia, the X-Works. I yes, that that's on, I found that on Amazon. Yeah. Um, that's called X-Works Grow. Yes. And they have a chocolate peanut butter, which I love. All their flavors are really good. They are. I tried them all too. Um, I'm a big fan of the Mari Gold. I also use the Equip. I love... Um, some people have, well, so I like to make a protein shake that's like really thick. So I add collagen into my shake with two scoops of protein. Yep. And, um, I bought the, um, eye creamy by Ninja. This thing was like a TikTok craze. Okay. I have had clients tell me about this. Is this a thing that makes protein ice cream? Yes. I had a client the other day text me a photo of it and he goes, you keep putting protein ice cream on my meal plan. And so I bought this machine and it has changed our family's life. It does. Yes. Like they, it's the best invention ever. It's sitting in my kitchen. I 
they, you can press the button for a smoothie bowl. You can make ice cream. Now getting the ice cream, the protein ice cream to the right consistency because I actually broke my eye creamy once already. So, I broke three blenders making protein ice cream. I blend yes. them all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I break blenders like it's my job. Because you're supposed to freeze it and then re-spin it. And so yep. if you don't let it warm up, you might snap a blade, which I didn't. Um, but the smoothie bowl, I mean, it it creates this thick malt-like deliciousness yeah. that's full of, you know, great things. So I use that a lot. Of course, um, you can't take that on the road with you. A shout out to North Dakota tourism. You know, again, Right now we are in the woods and out on the prairie chasing birds, and I'm still planning details for my fall hunt in one of my all-time favorite hunting destinations, North Dakota. The most recent bird count is just in. Biologists in North Dakota report the total number of pheasants observed. That number was 65 birds per 100 miles of roadway. That is up 61% from last year. And broods, 7.5 per 100 miles. That number is up 70%. The end result, world-class upland hunting. On the waterfowl side, 2023 was one of the wettest springs on records, which means an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks. That number is also up from last season. Add to that North Dakota's PLOTS program. 800,000 acres of private land, open to public walk-in hunting. All that together, you have your spot just waiting for the perfect fall hunt. Make memories and hunt North Dakota. Plan your adventure just like we do at hellond.com. It's also time for a shout out to our good friends at Star Bank. Ron Shera here with a question. Have you ever heard of an economic first responder. That's an economic first responder. Well, it's real. Think of Star Bank. Star Bank is saving local businesses as an economic first responder in the Twin Cities, the West Metro, and rural Minnesota. Star Bank has been helping small businesses keep their lights on, pay their rent, pay their employees for months now. In fact, Star Bank has helped 629 local businesses during this pandemic. And they've been keeping small businesses on Minnesota's main streets as well. Keeping small businesses alive. Economic first responders, indeed. You know, Star Bank is our local hero during this pandemic. Find Star Bank at starbank.net on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Bank locally with Star Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. That's my choice, Star Bank. Ron Shera here. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage Warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. I have, what I have done though, on the road, is if I'm going to, you know, a week-long turkey hunt in South Dakota, maybe not a week, even five days, I will take 
the a soup immersion blender, which is basically a hand blender. Mm-hmm. So it's that you would use to, and I'll pack that in my suitcase, and I'll just bring a tall one of my smoothie, um, like for the ninja blender or something. One of my blender cups. smoothie cups, yeah. And I just make my own little blended smoothie right in my hotel room. It's perfect. So I might just use protein powder and um, I prefer nut milks and I will use that mm-hmm. on the road all the time. But that's one of the reasons I um, I should mention that I branded the Wildly Living Daily Wild, my fruits and greens powder, is yes. I was taking that on the road with me for at least 15 years because yeah. there are times when I was hosting Destination Polaris, the show, I was in the middle of nowhere. And your options are very limited and you know, you're not going to go to Applebee's for breakfast, lunch and dinner. You know, you may do that for dinner for your chicken and whatever, but, yeah. um, so I just, that was on the road with me everywhere I went. And, um, and now that's why I private labeled it and I've been selling it. Cause I think it's a really great fruits and greens, vegetable powder that you can bring with you to remote locations. I use it every day at home too, but, yeah. um, and by the way, guys, when she says fruits and greens powder, like it tastes good. It does. And you've had it. Yes. Yes. It tastes good. So it's it not does like, taste good. it's not like you're drinking some nasty green juice. You know no. what I mean? I want people to know that. Like it tastes really good. That is true. And yeah. they, they, the reason how they flavor it is not by artificial flavoring either. So people right. ask me like, what does berry taste like? Well, it's, it's tastes very much like raspberry because they're using real raspberry extract from the real fruit. So yes. it tastes, doesn't taste like artificial raspberries you would think of it or artificial strawberries you think of it. If you get the strawberry, it is just true fruits and greens. And the chocolate on the other hand is more vegetable dense, which I love. That's I my love, favorite. That's my favorite one. Yes. Chocolate's my favorite. Yes. I love it. And the reason they can't, don't put as much fruit in there because it would taste like fruit because it's real food. Right. So they do vegetables and they use a high grade cocoa powder. It is so good. I totally agree. Um, so that is one of the things that I take with me just to keep up on whatever your new, nutri- micronutrients, yes. immunity health, if it's going to help you, yes. you know, all those things. So, um, that's one of my favorite tips to do is the protein powder, fruits and greens powder. And even if I know I'm going to be hiking for a significant long distance, like if we're going for a long hike, I will add oatmeal to my protein yeah. powder, fruits and greens. I make sure my nut milk is a high fat one. Yep. So it slows down the digestion. Yep. And I'll add some oatmeal in there just as fiber and a little bit of carbs um, to get me through the day. And that has been my breakfast for many of times before I go on to the field. And it sounds delicious too. It's also so good. It is good. You know, I, I eat it cold. So I mean, I'm not going to say it's like, it is good. Yeah. I think you might be like, well, I mean, oatmeal would be nice if it was warm, but yeah. it's, it's not. Of course. <laughs> of course. The other thing, and I'm trying to think if you could do this on the road, it's one of those things where you, I, I buy night, nut milk, but I've actually gotten into kefir lately too. Mm. Like a really good whole milk kefir. And there's one I found that's an A2 milk. So a lot of people, when they have dairy and casein sensitivities, it's to A1 casein. So people always say, if they can't have dairy, I'm lactose intolerant, I'm lactose intolerant. Well, lactose means milk sugar. Okay. Casein means milk protein. So those two things are different. So it's got sugar in it. It's got protein in it. You may be sensitive to one or the other. You may be sensitive to both, but A2 milk protein, that casein is much easier digested by like 90 some percent of the population as compared with A1. So if you can find, I found a grass fed A2 regenerative agriculture kefir, whole milk kefir, and I make it, I make a chia seed pudding out of it. 
So Ooh, then you can take that in like good. a little container. So three tablespoons of chia seeds, three-fourths of a cup of the kefir, and you let it sit in the fridge for an hour, and then it's done. You could let it sit overnight. It doesn't matter. Or in a cooler. Yeah, in a cooler. And then I add protein powder to it, and it is so good. That sounds good. Yeah. So that would be really good for like camping. You know, you think about when you, when we go camping, and of course part of camping is having some fun too, right? Like s'mores and all yeah. the things. But there are many times, you know, we're just grabbing – um you know, whatever we can make over a campfire. And then it might be a shore lunch. And then it might be who knows what at dinner, if it's like chips and a hot dog. But I think there's some ways we could probably even keep up some more nutritional value, even in our camping, like when we're going yeah. out to whatever boundary waters, what have you, if you could bring that in your cooler, but you also brought along this keto brick, which yes. I've had, I've had a sample of this before. Can you explain what yeah. A keto brick is well, kind of so a cool I knew, thing for camping. Yeah. I knew what we were going to be talking or about. Or winter camping specifically. Winter camping. So the reason that I love these and the founder of Keto Brick I met several years ago at a ketogenic convention, but he came up with this because he's a big hunter. And so he's actually from Arkansas. And so they're hunting down there. They're not hunting up in the Northwoods, but they're hunting there for days and stuff at a time and wanted to have something that was calorically dense that he could eat on the go, that didn't have to be in a refrigerator, and that was all real food. And so he came up with this, and it literally is a brick. So one whole brick is a 1,000 calories. Wow. Right? Because it's got perfect ketogenic macronutrients. And when I say that, it means that 75% of the calories in this brick come from fat, and then about less than, and I don't know the exact numbers here, I could give you the grams, but let's just say it's, you know, a minimal amount of protein, so probably 15% of protein, and then the rest carbohydrate. Maybe it's like 20% protein, but it's 92 grams of fat, 32 grams of protein, and 12 grams of total carbs per 1,000 calorie brick. So I have, to challenge myself, eaten a whole one before. You have. Oh yeah, I did it, because I was like, I want to see how I would feel. I felt pretty sick after, I I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I was, was like, whoa. 92 grams of fat in a sitting. My body was like, wow, What just sister. happened? <laughs> I didn't need to eat the whole day. It literally was like, there's your whole day. Not really, but yeah, it was a lot. I mean, if I was going to Antarctica, dog sledding across like the Iditarod or something, yes. you know, like Alaska, I, then I could see doing the yeah. whole thing. That would yeah. be the perfect fuel. Right. So um, you could melt them down before you leave and put them in like silicone molds. I've done that. Oh, so it's like a little bite. So it's something. like a little bite or you could just cut it into cubes and take that and you could just have bites on the go. But it's just nice because it's shelf stable. Or you could just open it up and take a bite of it and then seal it back up in your pack. But you don't have to keep it in a fridge. And so what it's made out of, just in terms of ingredients, they have either grass-fed whey protein as the protein base or pea protein for people that can't have whey. And then the main source of fat is raw organic cacao butter. So it's oh. a lot of cacao butter. And so it tastes really good. It's delicious. It's like chocolate. Yeah. And then they've got sea salt in it and it does have monk fruit. This one has some organic sacha inchi seeds in it. They use some stevia, some mocha flavor, coconut, MCT oil is another source of that. Some of them have flax seeds in them. So they're just great. I mean, because it's all real food, which is one of the reasons I like it. And then the other thing I was thinking about that I didn't mention is I also forget it's so easy to just bring beef sticks, right? Yes. And those are different than like, a Slim Jim, probably. Correct. So yes. maybe we should, because a lot of people are eating jerky and and Slim Jims and things I see yeah, that's out such in the a field good, a lot. So. That's such a good point. So if you look at the labels, it's really important to look at the ingredients. I'm always surprised when I see Slim Jims or certain beef jerkies that are loaded with tons of sugar because they've added like a hickory smoke flavor 
or some kind of flavoring to it. And then they put a bunch of oil on it to make the flavor stick to it or they're adding honey. And so all of a sudden beef jerky, which is something which would normally have zero carbohydrates, has like 15 in a small serving. You eat the whole bag and now you've got 50 grams of carbs or sugar or something. So I always say look for things that are like grass fed. You know, you can get these at most grocery stores. Things like Chomps is a brand. Vermont is a brand. Even that Archer Farms I've seen they have at Costco because a lot of people shop at Costco. Oh, yes. That brand, I think they might have that at Target as well. Um, those are brands that I've seen. Epic has some really good stuff. I'm sure you've tried oh, yes, I some have. of those, like the Wagyu beef strips or the vet strips or the venison strips or the salmon strips. Like all those are great too. For sure. And a lot of people, of course, are when they're harvesting deer and things like that are having, doing either um, a lot of venison sticks and yes. things like that. And I know they have opportunity to add in, you know, other ingredients and such, but um, Oh yeah. I guess, you know, those would probably be a really healthy snack. And a lot of times I see them mixed with like pork or something like that. So I don't know if they're adding sugar into those. I don't think they are, but yeah, uh, it probably depends. Yeah. Would be a healthy snack. So maybe just be more aware of ask if they're adding any sort of sugary substances to their venison sticks. And you mentioned a little bit ago, just talking about camping because it's such a go-to for people when they're traveling to reach for chips. I'm like a really quick, easy win. If you can get your arms around it, I love them pork rinds instead. Oh yeah. Cause they're crunchy. They yeah. have really good protein, really good fat and no carbohydrates. And there are several brands on the market, but they're actually, they taste delicious. And if you would have told me 20 years ago, I'd be talking about pork rinds as a healthy, nutritious <laughs> food. I'd be like, what is wrong with you? I'm busy over You're here like with my green box of snack wells. That's what I was just going to say. I'm busy here with my Twizzlers cause they have no fat exactly. and my snack wells. Right. No pork rinds are where it's at. Isn't that fascinating? Pork rinds are back, people. Yes, they are. And they're a great sub for chips. And just to, you know, clarify, like you're not 100% a keto person. I am you're, not. You're mindful of levels of carbohydrates. Obviously, depending on what you're doing, you know, if someone's running, you know, marathons, you know, every day, like you're going to need some, maybe some people want some sort of carbohydrates based on how their body like fuels itself. Yeah, it's a good point. What I tell people is, the whole conversation of keto has gotten so overblown by the media and diet fads and products now that say keto. The reality is just to like level set is that we actually, every single human on this planet was born in a state of ketosis. So we're ketogenic when we're born. Every baby is ketogenic. And then you become a sugar burner over time, you know, And a lot of that has to do with the society in which you're raised and the amount of carbohydrates that you're fed. But the reality is ketosis is just a state that most of us should be able to be in periodically. I ate some carbs. I used those carbs out in the field, walking all day, and now I don't have food available for a while. That's okay. My body knows how to burn fat and create ketones because I can go back and forth because I'm what's called metabolically flexible, which simply means you use carbs when they're available. When they're not available, you use dietary fat. When that's not available, you use body fat and the byproduct of burning body fat is your body produces ketones, which are used for your brain. So if you don't have glucose for your brain, it's okay. You're going to produce ketones. And and by the way, from the protein and the fat that you consume, your body will make its own glucose for the amount of glucose that we need for our brain. It's a process. Our bodies are so cool, by the way, but it's a process called gluconeogenesis. So gluco, glucose, neo, new, genesis to create the creation of new glucose. And our body does that from the consumption of protein and fat. 
Interesting. Yeah. Wild. So yes, I'm not promoting that everyone like eat on a ketogenic diet. I just ask that people start to become aware of their carbohydrate consumption because just like you and I were raised in a world where we were programmed to believe that food is like carbs. Yes. Pastas, like you said, cereal, orange juice, and toast in the morning. All these random hundred calorie packs of things. Like we were programmed to see food that way and it's not what our bodies want all the time. And this is why, you know, I think there's been such a greater acceptance of hunting too today due to the fact that it, the meat is organic, it's free range, it doesn't have antibiotics in it. It's typically a leaner piece of meat that you're going to eat than a um, grain fed animal. So, um, you know, hunters have been ahead of the curve in that point of consuming that type of meat, which is ultra healthy for you. It's so true. It's so true. And the other thing I was thinking about when we were talking about what you eat when you travel, and I don't know if you do this on your hunts, but like if you're going to somewhere where it's a cabin and you actually have a stove, one of the things that we always did growing up, because my dad, we were a big duck hunting family, is my mom would make some huge soup or some you know yes. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then just reheat that when you get to the cabin. And you can do that over a campfire, even if you're not at a cabin. Absolutely. You can get a full meal of all sorts of nutrition in a soup with a bunch of vegetables, with a really good broth, a bone broth for that protein, and then some kind of meat. And bone broth is, I think, underrated. Like anytime, I, I'm a big fan of making soups, homemade soups all winter long. And I use bone broth all the time just by the nutritional value of it versus a um, a chicken of just a regular chicken broth, yes. chicken stock, excuse me. Yes. Cause or what says just chicken broth on the shelf. Cause they'll say like broth or stock, but then yes. separately is bone broth. Yes. And it's a totally different nutritional profile. I agree with you. Very much. And yep. so I know that bone broth on the shelf can be rather expensive. So it is very doable to make your own. It takes a little bit of time. Yep. That's um, true. But you can definitely make your own. You can freeze it um, from leftover chicken bones, you know, yeah, whatever bones you have, you want to throw in a pot, but, yes. um, but it is a really nice add on to get that extra protein. Again, if you're feeling like there's no way I'm going to be able to eat eight ounces of chicken or something, um, that you could, you could use that as a supplement during the winter is a great and, idea. And it's so filling too, you know, Very just much. like the warm. And then when you add some bunch of veggies to it and everything, it's so true. But I agree with you that hunters have been on the forefront of all of that. And I think there's a resurgence of it now. Because let's be honest, everyone since the time of COVID is like, I really have to figure out how can I fend for myself if the grid goes down or we're locked in our home? Like, yes. what would I do if I had to feed my family and every grocery store was closed or whatever? For know? sure. I know. And if, when COVID first happened and all the, all the grocery, store, grocery store shelves were going empty and everybody's hoarding toilet paper. I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I was like, grab those, go. <laughs> totally. Um, I remember telling myself, I'm like, well, if I have protein powder and ghee and butter or like just high fat and protein, I'm actually will be fine to survive. So like just gather up the protein powders, even peanut butter at the time was hard to, yeah. um, I hard to find. I thought you were going to say you were laughing at everyone because you had a freezer full of like elk or venison or or well, that well, or- unfortunately, you know, I at the time I had a small freezer, so I didn't have like a deep freeze full of stuff. Got so it. I Got was it. not panicking, but I was like, "This is getting interesting." <laughs> Where you go into the store and it's just empty. Yes. Um, but I thought if it really comes down to it, like that's how I would survive. Is just yeah, I love ghee, which is clarified butter. Yep. If you haven't tried it yet, 
I highly recommend it. It's the best tasting butter you'll ever have. And did you end up getting that ancient organics one? Have you tried that one? Did oh, I yes. I get that, that one all the time. Yeah. You literally open it and I tell people, I'm not joking. I know it's clarified butter, but you open it and it smells like a Werther's candy. Or it like, does. Or like a caramel or a butterscotch. It is the best flavor. It's it such is. such good healthy fat. It's so good. And when Chef uh, Jim Kimberg and I cook together at Wild in the Kitchen segments, we're always using clarified butter too. Like it's Amazing. a big chef secret to make things taste really buttery without really having to like completely drown it. Yeah. Um, it's really high flavored. And it's, and butter. the other thing people don't realize is it has one of the highest smoke points. So for yes. ghee, you can cook at a super high smoke point, just like avocado oil. Yeah. Whereas butter doesn't go as high as ghee. So that's so true. Yeah. Which I'm is nice. Burning regular butter all the time. <laughs> um, well, Miss Kristen Rowell, it was so fun to have you on the podcast. I feel like we could go on and on and on. I mean, we have to have you back and continue to talk about fitness and et cetera. I, I mean, I love too how the hunting and outdoor community now has really crossed into making sure they're staying physically fit for a lot of these hunts they're going yes. on. Um, how are you going to pull your bow back if you don't have strength? And you and I, I could love to have you back to talk about um, strength training and the importance of strength training as we age and all the muscle that we lose naturally as we age and if we want to continue to adventure into the outdoors, how important that is to it really is. Um, that lifestyle. So, but before we go, um, if people want to learn more about you and, um, and what you do, where can they find you? Thank you so much. Um, uh, my website is energeticallyefficient.com. Love it. And then I am on Instagram, like you mentioned at MN golden girl, it's MN for Minnesota. And then because I have three golden retrievers. Yes, one, adorable. Two, three, because <laughs> I'm insane. I'm obsessed with golden retrievers. They're so cute. So yeah, so I'm in Golden Girl and then my website and then those are probably the easiest. I'm also on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, hopefully there's some tips you can head out into the woods with in regards to protein and nutrition. And um, thank you, Kristen, for being on the Minnesota Bomb Podcast. It was so fun to have you on. And of course, just to spend time with you. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. I loved it. Once again, thank you to our sponsors, Grain Belt, Connecticut, Heat Hog, Lakes Gas, Minnesota Propane, North Dakota Tourism, and Star Bank. Also, remember to introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Mm -hmm.